Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, April the 19th, 2023. A couple of years ago, I had Leon Wiesenthal on the show. He is um, quite a complicated, controversial man. He was on um, and we headlined the show, Do Disgraced Men Deserve Another Chance After a Reckoning? He was, maybe no longer is, a disgraced man. Um, he was, uh, according to the New York Times at least, um, in uh, 2017, he admitted offenses, whatever that means, against female colleagues and his New magazine was killed. He's a, a man about town in literary circles on the East Coast in New York City and Washington, D.C. But Leon is an insistent man. And even if his new magazine was killed, he nonetheless succeeded in founding another one called Liberties, which um, uh, we talked about when he came on the show a couple of years ago. But of course, Liberties isn't Leon and Leon isn't Liberties. There are many other people involved. Um, including my guest today, uh, Celeste Marcus, who is the managing editor of Liberties. So we thought we would talk Liberties again. Uh, Celeste, when I saw that, I thought Liberties is a store in London as well, but you're, of course, different from that. Um, a little different, yes. Tell me a little bit about how you work or don't work with Leon as the managing editor. What is he, the founding editor, the founding figure? Does he just sort of uh, his title Wander in and out the office and you do the real work? Oh, I'm not allowed to say that in public. Um, he's His title is just editor. Um, so how do we work together? We have, you know, we're both working on all of the pieces. All of the pieces go through both of us. So um, one or both of us conceive of the kind of piece that we want to commission or a writer that we have a relationship with comes to us. Some of the pieces that we publish um, come over the transom, although very, very few of them. Um, most of them either are the product of, you know, some conversation Leanne and I have had or a conversation with a writer. Um, but then all of the we work on all of the pieces together with the writer, of course. You, of course, are of a, a different generation than Leon. Uh, he's certainly older than he's older than me and he's certainly older than you. You graduated from. Uh, uh, pen, I think in in nine, in 2019, just before the, the pandemic, um, you must be unusual in your generation to be working on such a traditional magazine. Everybody else is. I mean, you're on Instagram and Twitter, uh, but you're not doing your work on Substack or or any yeah. of these other new platforms. What attracts you about this traditional model of liberties, which is a um, it is a magazine, a traditional magazine, in some ways supported by traditional arts donors. This one uh, seems to be supported by a man called uh, Alfred Moses. Alfred's one of our donors. He's not the only one. Well, you, you take donations from, I guess, wealthy people, or at least people able able to afford certainly to we take donations from anybody able to give them to us um what attracts you to that model rather than putting your stuff out on substack or patreon <laughs> or any of these other platforms 
Well, I mean, I believe in an editorial process, so I want to work with an editor. Um, I mean, the thing, there are many things that I love about the way that we approach the work that we do. I love the relationships that we have with our writers. Uh, I really love that our writers want to work with us and that they're excited about the kind of freedoms that we allow. You're right that, I guess there are, there are two very different models. There's the other kinds of publications that are sort of analogous to ours that you could write for or you could write for Substack. I don't think that at least writers of my age that are successful on Substack typically also write for other publications. Um, usually you can only be successful on Substack if you've made a name elsewhere. So I don't think that like most writers my age are only operative on Substack. I can't really think of anybody who who does that. Um, but yeah, I really like the relationship that I get to cultivate with our writers. Um, that's one of the things about the journal that I am most grateful for. Yeah, and you've got, um, you sent me all your, your copies. In fact, I want to get Michael Waltzer on the show. I think he's going to do it um, maybe next month. But you have some on that on that essay about that uh, essay. i don't know if he's going to do the left and the nations so he's going to talk to us uh about some of his work for liberties but um J james kirchick for example is in the current issue he's been on the show alfred brendel the great pianist doesn't need any introduction how yeah. do you get these people is it because you or leon have the relationships or are they just excited to work for liberties i'm assuming you're not paying them very much oh no we pay very well what does very well mean? We pay $4,000 an essay for everyone. Wow. Everybody gets paid the same amount. Well, yeah. Maybe We'd take something from me. No one's ever paid me for anything. <laughs> Depends. Can you write something for us? Um, Probably not of your quality. Well, thank you. So I actually think that that's part of it. I think writers want to write for us because of the company that they would be in and because of the quality of the product. Um, that's true of writers like Alfred Brendel, and it's true of young writers who want to be in the company of people like Alfred Brendel. That's one of the most exciting things about working at Liberties and now finally being in our third volume. If I find a writer, this happens, you know, this, there are several writers in the next issue that um, fit this story. I find a young writer who is really talented and I think I can think of a subject that would be good for them, or I think that there's some kind of harmony between their style and ours, and I reach out to them, they're really excited to be in our company. And that is extremely gratifying for us. And then, and then just your, your business model then is you, you sell, you can subscribe to the magazine. It's a quarterly, uh -huh. is that right? That's right. And how much does that cost? Subscription? Yeah. Uh, it's $50 a year. 50 And then how many subscribers do you have? approximately um i don't know what the number is i know that i know that our publisher is very happy that this year we had a big jump but i don't know the number yeah i'm also friends with peter bass who's your treasurer so i'll get all the dirty from Peter. you can get that stuff from him he knows what the numbers are but are you in all seriousness um celeste are you we always say in silicon valley People are close to being profitable, which is a euphemism for saying that they're leaking money. Are you close to profitability? We are very confident that we will last several, like many years to come. So how about that? So you have what in Silicon Valley is called runway. But is that Alfred Moses is another wealthy donors? Is that their runway or is that real 
business runway? Oh, do you mean are we able to are we able to thrive off of the pockets of our subscribers? No, we can't. We definitely do depend on people who believe in the project and who want to help us out. And one of the nice like things most about liberties is it's it's classic. It's classically Leon. It's uncompromising. There are no ads. Um, so you're not selling ads in, in, in the context. Are you seeing, um, and, I, and I, this is a, a softball question, you're bound to say yes, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, <laughs> are you seeing an appetite amongst your readers for uncompromising quality of high quality writers? Um, no advertising, no obsessive online product. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what it would be like if we had what what they call an online community. Um, I do wish and we will have in the future more opportunity to connect with our readers. Um, and I don't think that as long as we as long as everything we undertake is done at a certain level, at our level, um, I don't think that that will like detract in any way from our brand um but i know that if you're going to subscribe to liberties it's because you're expecting not to be talked down to um mm. we don't edit down we edit up um and i know that our readers appreciate that and that that's what they come to us for i mean one of the fruits of that labor is that our readers can read the issues that we put out two years ago i just got an email from a subscriber who was rereading issue one because it's not like there's an expiration date on this stuff. I mean, it's it's us. Oh, I know your colors look the same. <laughs> yeah, they all certainly. Well, you know, collect all the colors. But um, no, I like the covers because they they don't age. They, they don't age. Relevant now. Well, neither do the works. pieces. You know, and that was. So the you may run out of colors one day. We have uh we have like the Pantone book of thousands and thousands of colors. Oh, so I hope that one day we have existed for long enough that we will run out. That's that's my plan. Yeah. Um, but not in the is there an editorial focus? I mean, of course, Leon is a controversial man. Not everyone, he's not welcome on everyone's podcast. I like him and I enjoyed having him on my show. He's also been on Quillette, which has a its own sort of a, a agenda. Um, are you fighting the culture wars or are you, are you beyond that? We're beyond that. Explain more. You're looking very bored. I just don't think of that's like not what I come to work to do. Um, you know, if there's a if there's an issue that touches the culture wars, but is, I told you we want to we want to write stuff that lasts. So we're not we're not like you know producing article ammo. But you are dealing with controversial subjects, which, for one reason or other, are people are very very. Um, sensitive about. You have a piece by Andrew Del Banco on reparations for slavery. You have another piece uh, on the Ukraine. So you're not shying away from controversy. Certainly not. But that's not the same thing as wading into the culture wars. But can yeah. you avoid, I mean, uh, Celeste, you're the managing editor, so you're on the front lines of this. Can you avoid can you publish stuff on issues like slavery and reparations and ukraine obviously 
the, the, the cultural politics, uh, Kerchik stuff on, uh, on, 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 on the gay community and the queer community. Can you do that and avoid these culture wars? I think everything is a matter of tone and approach. So there are people who are, well, I, I just, it's not easy to use our stuff cheaply because the writing is, first of all, they're long. Um, so nuance is unavoidable, which is, that was the intention. Mm. It's difficult to just kind of invoke a Liberties essay to make an ideological point or to use it as a bludgeon because that's mm. not what it's designed to do. So while, while we touch on issues, certainly we touch on issues that are controversial, it would be boring if we didn't do that. But the aim is never to sort of, it, it, it's never going to be like, it's never going to be useful for you to just send back a Liberties uh, link in like a, a Twitter argument. Um, which is sort of how I think of like the the realm of the culture wars. That Are you ca carving out your own uncompromising space in this market? I mean, the New York Review of Books, of course, is the the biggest player still. They've been involved in one kind of fight or another internally on the editorial side. How would you compare and contrast yourself with the New York Review of Books and other of these kinds of more traditional publications? Well, I guess the biggest difference between us and publications like that, other than, you know, just the weight of the thing, is that we don't we don't do pegs. Um, so we're not doing reviews. We can have an essay. We could have an essay that treats the same subjects or uses the same books as something that would like the, the New York View would publish. Um, but we're not going to have our writers write something on like the 100th anniversary of a book or about like for a book that's just come out and have it just be a review. Um, if a book touches on a theme that is um, has larger implications, then, of course, we'll have a writer write about it um, or we would permit them to. But we're not going to like assign a review the way the New York Review of Books does. And that's what that's what they're doing. Your Twitter page comes with a quote from Saul Bellow. I'm going to read it. It's a good quote. In the American moral crisis, the first requirement was to experience what was happening and see what must be done. The facts were covered from our perception. The increase of theories and discourse, itself a cause of new strange forms of blindness, the false representations of communication led to a horrible distortion of public consciousness. Therefore, the first act of moral morality was to disinter the reality, retrieve reality, dig it out from the trash, represent it anew as art would represent it. You're an art historian as well, um, Celeste. Is there too much theory in the world? Is, are li is liberties against theory? Uh, let me just clarify that we changed that. So we have a back flap quote for every issue. Oh, okay. Um, well, that up. one is the one I found. Uh, Liberty. That's the one that's up now because that's what's in the most recent issue. Okay. But it's still representative one way it's, or the other. It sure right? is. And they all they always are. Um, is there too much theory? I think that I and Bello um, wouldn't necessarily say that theory is necessarily a bad thing, but it can obfuscate um, reality and it can get between you and a, a proper analysis of what is actually going on. Um, so you have to be careful not to allow certain kind of ideological frameworks or blinders to stop you from seeing uh, what's in front of you. And I do think Liberties tries really hard to do that. That is one of our editorial missions. 
Yesterday, I had Jonathan Rosen on the show. He has a new book out on American Madness. It's the cover story of the um, Atlantic. Uh, of the Atlantic this uh, next month in May. Uh, and we, I mean, we didn't really joke. We half joked about the influence of Michel Foucault and all these other French theorists on American culture. We were both grad students, failed grad students at Berkeley in the uh, in the eighties, and we both celebrated being thrown out or not finishing our PhDs. Nice. Is there too much influence of these foreign theorists, Celeste? At least in the, according to Liberties, I, I'm guessing you wouldn't publish a lot of stuff on Michel Foucault or Jacques Lacan or any of these other characters. Um, I don't know if we would or wouldn't. I think that, I think consistent with the Bellow quote, it's just really easy to adopt an ideology and have that be your framework for everything and so not have to think through things yourself. Um, so I think we're kind of against ideology generally, not against any one specific one, if that makes sense. Are you pessimistic about American culture? Uh, 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 do you believe there are people, conservatives, or at least cultural conservatives, who believe that American civilization is in deep crisis? They've been arguing that ever since uh, the birth of print, or at least the birth of print in America. Uh, is Liberties a bulwark against this crisis, or is that the wrong way of thinking about it? It's certainly not how I think about it. I mean, I really, I really am not pessimistic about this. And maybe, I don't know if I would describe myself generally as an optimistic person, but I know that, I know that there is a hunger for what we're putting out. And it's, We've seen that. Um, it's not as if people don't want this. So it's always been countercultural to be thoughtful. Um, and there has never been a gen generation devoid of thoughtfulness. So, you know, it's a minority, but it's a strong minority. And that's what we're putting it out for. Tell me a little bit about your own intellectual work. You're not just the managing editor, you're also a writer. You have a, a lovely piece on good painting uh, in this issue. Um, it's also good writing, at least on your part. You suggest that you are um, in the process of writing a biography of Chaim Soutin, uh, uh, an artist. I, I have to admit, I wasn't that familiar with him, but he, he sounds amazing. Uh, his, for people watching here, we have an image of him painted by Modigliani and some of his work, is, like Eva, has sold very well. Yeah. What is it about Soutin that you find so interesting? Um, Soutine has always been a favorite of mine. And I think, um, so the, the honest answer to this is that... I always want honest answers, Celeste. Okay, well, forget all the rest of the stuff I said then. <laughs> um, when I stand in front of a Soutine painting, I have a visceral appreciation for what he's doing that for most mm. other paintings, and I go to art museums a lot and I have many favorite painters, um, it takes more work for me to get there. So I think that that's why I feel such an affinity for him. The reason that I'm writing the biography, this is the stack of books on my desk now for wow. what I should be doing for that biography, but instead I'm doing this for the next essay that I'm writing for Liberties. Anyway, um, the reason that I'm writing the biography is because First of all, there isn't one, and there is no English language biography of Soutine, which is surprising because he's in every major modern art museum in the world. So it's strange that there just nobody has done it yet. Um, and the other reason is because I think that he is generally misrepresented 
um, both his work and his life. And so I, I want to set the record straight. Is it difficult doing what you've done? You came straight out of college. You got this exciting job. I assume you're, you're properly paid. You're writing a biography of a very interesting painter. The, the, the last show I just did was with uh, another woman slightly older than you who's just written a novel who seems to be supporting herself by writing about social media for romantic magazines. Are you exceptional in the luck you've had in terms of the lifestyle, the living that you're able to carve out as a, as a thoughtful person, as a lover of art, and as someone who wants to support good writing? I've been unbelievably lucky, and I, you know... I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity that I've been given. I'm, I, I love what I do. I love working with our writers and I really, I really believe in our writers. Um, that's what energizes me every day. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm working for them. Um, and I really do feel blessed to be able to do that. I guess one has to believe in God in order to feel blessed. But anyway, I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to do this work. You also have a podcast, actually. You had Justin E.H. Smith, who I've yeah. had on the show. He, he just wrote a book about the internet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not what you think it is, is the title of the book. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, is, is new media important for you? Um, I'm actually amazed that you've made the concession to having a podcast, given how, in so many other ways, you're pretty traditional. I don't know. I mean, they, they let me do... <laughs> whatever I want. I love talking to our writers. That's one of the reasons that I love my yeah. job so much. So that was that was the draw there for me. Um, yeah, that's why I did that. And I just I think I think Leon would agree with this. It's the new technologies for the old reasons. Yeah, uh, well, let's end um, uh, Celeste with with some more thoughts on the current issue. We talked a little bit about Kerchik. Walter, I'm going to get on. Yeah. Um, Brendel goes without saying. Uh, Leon has his own piece, The Trouble of the Jews, which yes. could have come out of a Philip Roth book or something. Uh, but uh, And your own good painting. Anything else that you would strongly recommend for potential um, subscribers? Mark Liller, of course, is another big hitter. Yeah, Mark is, Mark is great, and that essay is great. And um, what's Mark's essay about, the once and the now? It's about nostalgia. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to butcher it by trying to summarize it beyond that because it is, you know, how he writes. He's so poetic. It's difficult to give a summary. I would say um, the poets in this issue, Declan, Declan Ryan and Aishan Hutchinson, Declan's, Declan's uh, poem when it came in, I, it came in over the transom and I read it like sitting in that seat over there just sobbing. So it's very moving and beautiful. And then Tamar Jacoby has a piece about um, her time in Ukraine in urban, uh, which is a very moving piece. And I love Jenny Lightwise Goff, who is, um, I'm not going to call her an undiscovered, but she's not well known. And I'm quite proud to have her in the issue. That piece, I've, I'm so excited about it. It's really interesting. It's about vulnerability and safety um and it's just like like all of our pieces her she sounds singular she has her own voice um no one could have written that piece but her even if they had the same ideas as her and uh, it's just a good example of what it is that we're doing here and what we're committed to coming back to the numbers i mean approximately how many people do you think read an issue 
And when uh, we're talking 10,000, 50,000, 1,000? I'd say closer to 10,000. And these are all paid subscribers? No. Um, we have subscribers and then we have the people who buy the book. So together, something in that realm. And then what about the relationship with the publishing industry? Are people are people pitching you parts of books or do you only want stuff that's especially uh, written for uh, for for liberties? Well, because because what we're doing is really unlike what other places are doing in terms of how much freedom we grant our writers, it, it's difficult. We don't get pieces that could have been written for somewhere else that can then be transferred to us. If you want to write for us, it's going to have to be written for us. We do get lots of pitches and lots of submissions. We get far more, and it's only you know it's only me and Liam looking through everything. So we take when a you lot say more. lots, that's what hundreds a week, hundreds a month. Mm, uh, hundreds a month probably, not a week. That would be insane. Um, but yeah, more than I can handle as the person doing it, um, which is good. It means that people know about us and want to write for us. But you know, not everybody can write for us. Not everyone can. Um, Celeste, finally, um, where do you want to be at Liberties in, say, five years? You've, you've got lots of colors up your sleeve, uh, many more colors. What would you like Liberties to become in five years? In Silicon Valley, we always saw, talk about 10-year windows, and that means you have no idea of the future. So five years is a little bit more concrete. It's imaginable. What, where, where would you like Liberties to be? I would like to be doing exactly what we're doing. 